So let's talk about values. And I'm going to start with Colossians chapter 1. And it'll be on the screen so you can see that. We look at Jesus and see the invisible God. When we look at Jesus, we can see God's original purpose in everything created. For absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, every rank of angel, including thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, everything got started in Him and finds its purpose in Him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it together right up till this moment. And when it comes to the church, He leads and holds it together like a head does a body. How good is that? Jesus is leading and holding His church together in spite of us. Because we have a really good job of messing it up, don't we? But it's good to know because you're looking at the Word and you're remembering these letters that were written to people like you and I. We needed to remind ourselves, why are we doing this? And he, this wasn't written for us. It was, it was collected for us, but it was written to a real audience that were facing hardship and pressure. But let me tell you, in the time we've got together today, and that is just, if you want to see God, you've got to look through the person of Jesus. If you remove Jesus from this equation, God's everywhere. God's this, God's that, God's this, and, and, and anything can be God. But when you suddenly bring God into the person of Jesus, so what's Jesus like? Because that's what God's like. Was Jesus kind? That's what God's like. And it's interesting because if you remove Jesus, what have you got? But if you bring Jesus back in to the center, to the front and center of who we are and what we are about, it's amazing how the mystery no longer becomes a mystery. Who loves mystery? No one. Okay. <laughs> Delete that from Netflix. But there is no mystery. When Christ came on the scene, the mystery of God is no longer a mystery. Our role in this story, no longer a mystery. So it's really crucial if we're going to talk about values, we've got to actually understand that God's values also apply to our values, apply to our lives. And so I think it's important that if there's a purpose, and this is what is highlighted here, God's original purpose. See, when you go back to the original, you can get back on track. But if you go away from the original, you can come up with any other version. And for humanity today, with our identity crisis, with a sense of who are we, what are we doing, where have we come from, we've got to help people get back to the original intention for our lives. We're children of God. So purpose, purpose, purpose. To have a purpose, you're going to have to have values. There's no doubt that a God-given purpose is going to have to be surrounded by God-given values. So we can see that Jesus has a very clear purpose, not just for our lives, but for all of creation. Amen? So that's beautiful. We can see here Jesus leads the church and He holds it together. I don't know about you, but that helps me when church is not doing well, when church messes up, 
when church gets it wrong, when church becomes an, an institution instead of something that he intended. You know, it's amazing how you talk to people about church today and they've got their perceptions and they've got their ideas about what church is. If you Google the word church, click images, what would you get? You would get buildings. You would get buildings. I found out this week that we are not even on the right map in the right location. If you Google us, you'll get the right address. If you Apple us, you get the wrong address. And I'm an Apple mapper. But the staff at the office are Googleiters. So I kept saying, it's in the wrong place. And last week I did public transport, came out here and there was two people in front of me and they went in that direction because they were Apple mappers as well. <laughs> so if there's any Apple mappers over there, go find them and bring them back into the Googleites. But listen, what we've got to understand is if there's an alignment of values, we're going to see great progress. We'll see transformation. We'll see God at work. When there's a misalignment of values, you don't see a lot. There's activity, but no progress. There's no transformation. The redemptive narrative is lost. The Holy Spirit helps bring alignment from the head to the body. So this picture is really interesting. You've got to, first of all, see Jesus is the head. He's the head. And we are the body. And this is, again, imagery, but it helps us to realize this harmony there. Has your body ever done something different from your head? Has your head ever done something different from your body? No, no, okay, no response to that one, all right. But it's amazing how your head is an important part of the rest of you. And so we can see here, the principle at least, that it's important that the head and the body are connected. A head with no body? So there is a head and there is a body and we need to understand that these values, the head has got values. So what are the body's values? The body, if the body has different values from the head, what's going to happen? And we could probably go into different directions with that when it comes to our natural bodies. But there is a purpose for the church. And if there is a purpose for the church, then there must be values for the church. And the challenge for us is, what are the values? Do we even talk about it? Do we even think about it? Do we just bump along until we bump into a value? So if there is a purpose for my life, how are you going to see a sense of purpose on someone's life? It's probably you're going to see it through the outworking of their values. See, if I've got a godly sense of purpose in my life, you're probably going to see that sense of purpose outworked through my values. And it's the same with all of us. Show me your values and I'll see your purpose. Show me your purpose and I'll see your purpose through your values. And I think it's good to think about it, at least to acknowledge it so that you don't have to just bump along. And, you know, it's not like, oh, well, I'm just out there having a random day, week, month, life. No, no, it's not that random. Whatever you're doing right now, there's purpose. And it's not just what you're doing. It's the purpose that's on your life that's beyond this moment. But values will help you navigate it better if you define what the values you need to honor that purpose. So we've got 12 values. I'm not going to read all of them, but we're going to go through maybe a few of them over the next few weeks. Is that okay? Um, and the first value that I'm going to touch on today is the value of 
The church loving the house of God. The church loving the house of God. We love God's house. And it might sound funny. You think the church is naturally going to love the house of God. But let me tell you, it's not always the story. We want to be a community that love the house of God. Unapologetic, I love the house of God. What are you doing? Going to the house of God. Building the house of God. And, and again, the building itself is not the house of God. It only becomes the house of God when we're here. You know, we bring His presence wherever He goes. So let's not fall into this building is the house of God. You don't, it's not, it's just a building. And uh, we use it for the God's purposes. So I really want to touch on the first value, and that is that we want to be a church. We have a value for the house of God. If it's a value, then are we aligned with that value? And you say, well, yeah, I'm sure everyone's aligned with that value. It's not true at all, though. You can be out of alignment with that value just because someone's a Christian. Listen, if you said to me, I'm a football player, I would naturally ask you, what football team do you play for? And if you said, I don't play for a football team, well, you're not a football player then. Now, you technically might be capable of playing football, but show me your team. Show me your team. A Christian without a, a church, what is that? A sheep without a shepherd. And we tell ourselves sometimes that, oh, well, I'm good with God. And we distance ourselves from church for whatever reason, because we either got hurt or we hurt someone. But the problem with the church is, is Jesus is amazing. It's us who are flawed that are a work in progress. But what I'm trying to say to you is, though, is that God didn't design it for us to be all out there on our randomness and our own. He actually created the house for his sons and daughters. God's house actually has a purpose. And there's values that come with that purpose. And that's really what we're going to try and look at today. Um, so let me, let's break down. When you look at the church that first got started, Acts chapter 2, you can see their values. They knew their purpose. And you saw their values. They took communion. They went to the house of God. Uh, they had community. Um, they were generous. They shared what they had. So you can see a lot of their values just by reading Acts chapter 2. But I, I value the church because I see the purpose of the church. See, when you see the purpose of the church, it's amazing how you can value because you see the purpose. So it's a little bit like this. Do I value the church because I see the purpose of the church. And I'm going to ask a lot of questions today, not to irritate you, but just to try and get you to think. We take this for granted too much. But if we align on values, you watch what happens next. I believe God always works with that. Alignment, not disalignment. And so this is something that we need to consider. Um, I value community because I see the purpose of community. I value community because I see the purpose of community. See, if you don't see the purpose of something, then you can have a lower value or no value. But if you have no value, then whatever that purpose was can be lost. So you've got to connect your purpose and your values, your values and your purpose. I believe God does this with us through the Holy Spirit all the time. But we're in a present moment right now as a young, dynamic, vibrant, Moving forward because of the gospel working in our lives kind of church. And we've got to ask ourselves right now, 
Are we just a group of individuals doing our own thing? Or are we going to be a harmonized, unified, yes, profound, unique individuals, but united around Jesus and his church and his purposes and his values? So one of the values that I think is going to really help carry us the seasons and into the future is we actually love the house of God. Do you love the house of God? Is it a value? Is it just my value? Is it Joyce's value or is it our value? And I think that's something we can ask ourselves. If we lose sight of the purpose, then the value goes down and the purpose is lost. So if you lose the sight of the purpose of the church, it, it just, I just don't see the purpose of the church anymore. It's very possible that the value obviously will go as well. And I think a lot of people just, they've lost the purpose of the church. I don't see the purpose of the church anymore. And they replace it with something else or someone else. But when the value goes down, then that purpose is lost. And we've got to remember that, that God is building His church. And we've got to remember our sense of purpose and values that go together. So we have got 12 values. I'll just look at this one, this one today, and then we'll see how we go. Is that okay? The church will always move forward when there's an alignment in purpose and values. The church will always move forward. The church will always move forward when there's an alignment of purpose and values. Are you ready for this today? Are you interested? Hungry for more? Curious? Or do you want to finish now? <laughs> I'm going to do my best to pour out, but I, I also need that receptivity because it's uh, the more receptive you are, the quicker I go and the more I say. The less receptive you are, the longer I take and I say nothing. <laughs> it's true. It's just hard to get there. So let me tell you today, I want to really start this whole season with a sense of values. And the first one is, do you actually value the house of God? It's a great question. Most of us would probably say yes. And I really do think it's good to ask the questions. So what I'm going to do is put questions down around a statement, okay? And the first one I want to give you is the church is God's idea. I don't know what you think about the church. Some people have some interesting ideas about the church. They think it's, uh, you know, a little bit like um, a hospital. Church is a hospital. Amen. But it's not. What do you do at a hospital? You check in because you're not well. And when you get better, you leave. So if that's the church, what are you doing here? (laughs) You're either sick or you're getting better. I don't know. But I know this though, every Sunday it's the Lord's table and it's food and medicine. Some people are getting medicine for their, their hurt lives. And it's also food for those who are doing great and they want to keep going in Jesus' name. So you've got to get these metaphors right or understanding. You can be in church for years and never get this. I'm always shocked how someone said, I've grown up in church all my life. heard And then they still, but it's not about growing up in church. It's about living it. It's about applying it. Amen. So, so the first of all, I want to give it church is God's idea. It's not a man-made construct. Before it was an institution, it was a moving, fluid, going somewhere, grassroots movement. They owned no buildings until Constantine. 
kind of like us today. We own nothing, but we do own an office. <laughs> but the point I'm making is, is it wasn't about, I will build my institution on earth. He said, I just build my church. So let's get back to the idea. Marriage is God's idea. Now, what we do with it, if we depart from God's original intentions, we can do anything with anything. If you take a text out of context, you can make anything up. The trouble is it's got no truth or it's only got part truth. So never take a text out of context. Your story today, how do we understand you? Put me in context. Past, present, future. Hallelujah. No one knows your story. No one knows your background or very few. So to know you today is at least get a little bit closer to your context. Where'd you come from? What happened? How'd you get here? Really? It's amazing when we allow for context, we allow for truth to prevail. And this is exactly what's going on here. So let's just settle this today, okay? God is the idea one for the church. It's His idea. So if He's going to have an idea, He's going to back it up with some values. So let me read Matthew 16. Most of you know this. I'm sure all of you do, but most of you would know this. Jesus said, I will build my and all the gates of hell. I love the energy. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates. It's amazing. It's amazing. In the message translation, it says, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of will work it out. So what I'm trying to say to you is, is first of all, just settle in your heart, okay? God's word I've heard people say, well, eh, it doesn't say much about the church. The kingdom, yes, but the church, no. Just because it's not said very much doesn't mean that it's not important. We can't come up with some kind of randomness. Well, it's only mentioned twice, so it's not. Kingdom is mentioned hundreds of times. And I understand why we do that, because we're trying to understand, but that doesn't mean church is not important. If you want the kingdom advance, build the church. And if you're going to build a church, be kingdom-minded. Not your own little holy club. Insular, affecting nobody, going nowhere. You've got to have an outward focus. So they're, they're mutually beneficial. So what you've got to understand is, is, first of all, here the reference is universal. Not universalism. Universalism is a very different belief system where people believe that everybody gets there in the end. It's just not true. It's just absolutely laced with a whole lot of lies. Because the truth is, there's something to win and something to lose. Jesus died a high price for us to come home. And there has to be an awareness of the fact is not everybody wants to come home. <laughs> not everyone's going to make it, but don't tear these part of the pages out of the Bible because you struggle to understand that. Don't be ripping any pages out of the Bible. Question it, critique it, engage with it. Absolutely go to it. But don't rip pages out because you feel like it's uncomfortable. The truth is there is something to win and there is something to lose. That's called tension. So we've got to wrestle all these things out. But universal meaning the church is global. Verse Matthew 18, Matthew 18, there's another reference to church. Again, quite close to each other. But the reference now is local. Reference in local church. So you've got local church, you've got global church. But let me tell you, not one church is identically the same. God doesn't make copies. My family is not like your family. 
And my son one day, he's going to be married. He's going to start his own family. And it will be his family. Now, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a similarity in extending the family. What I'm trying to say to you is not one family is identical. God is profound in creating, not copycats, but he is profound in creating unique profoundness every step of the way. So no one church is supposed to be the same. Well, what I need you to understand here is this is how God's working. So there is global and there is local. And I just believe God is not worried about, you know, because um, all the churches are different. We, we, we are very non-religious in the sense of we're very, um, not traditional. It's more celebration than it is ceremony. I don't wear robes. Um, just, just relaxed clothes. They're not skinnies. They're, sh- they're, 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 for any journalist, they're not skinnies. I'm 55, I'm wearing... Slim jeans, slim. Get your article right. The amount of times they say the charismatic pastor had skinnies on. I had no skinnies. Slim. The point I'm making is I know not everyone understands this, but the church is God's idea. And I need you to understand that because if it's idea, he knows how it's going to be a blessing. All right. So number two, the church is Christ's body. The church is Christ's body. He's the head, we're the body. So the question I would like to ask actually for number one is, am I willing to build what Jesus said he would build? If Jesus is building his church, am I willing to build what he said he would build? That's a great question. If he's building his church, what am I doing? If he's building his church, what am I doing? And this is where it gets a little bit complicated because people compartmentalize their lives. I've got my family life. I've got my work life. I've got my friend's life. I've got my church life. Well, that's wonderful. Everybody's got a box. But what happens if any of the boxes get big? So now I've got to now shrink one box because the other box has got bigger. Work has got bigger, so I'm going to shrink my family box. But I don't like that. So I actually want to say no to the promotion so I can be at home with my family. That's fine. That's a decision people make. But what I'm trying to say to you is a box compartmentalized is not going to help you live a big life for God. I've got my friendship box. Only four people can get in there. Boy, very generous, aren't you? Well, no, 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 no. Don't judge me. I, I can't know how I can be good to more than four friends. Very silent. But social scientists say that we have 15 people in our day-to-day lives, generally speaking, across the planet. But certain cultures have smaller numbers. And it's all got to do with culture. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is what happens if one of your friends leaves? I've got a vacancy for a friend. Let's send out the messages. Anyone want to be a friend? I can take 10 interviews tonight and one of you will get in. It's like getting an apartment in Berlin. You can't live your life like that. Only four get in. What happens if six more people want to be your friends from South America? (laughs) No, only one of them are going to get in. But what I'm trying to say to you, and I know I'm being a little bit awkward, a bit, bit kind of pedantic here, but what I'm trying to say to you is if your work world gets bigger, and you're living a compartmentalized life, you're going to have to shrink something else 
to compensate for the increase. So can I suggest to you, instead of compartmentalizing your life, try to do what the Bible teaches, and that is put Christ at the center of everything. Put him at the center of your career. Put him at the center of your marriage. Put him at the center of your family. Center, not compartmentalized. Because He'll give you the wisdom to navigate the seasons where some are bigger than others. But don't tell yourself the church is an enemy to your family because it's not true. Church is taking over my life. Which life are you talking about? The life that you gave to Jesus? Thank you for the three. Mm. Stay with me because I'm trying to help you think here. It's actually trying to help you to live the life He's called you to live. I'm not trying to be unpleasant, but you're not going to do well with a compartmentalized life because if everything stays in its box, you're not going to go anywhere. It'll just be maintaining, but advancing, increasing, expansive, honoring the promises of God over your life. You're going to have to shift your values, but go to a center, not a compartment. Christ at the center of my life. And He gives me the wisdom for the marriage, for the kids, for the study, for the promotion, for the new things that I'm doing. Amen. Amen. And it's amazing when values are harmonized. It's amazing how you can achieve that. So the question is, am I willing to build what Jesus said He would build? You can build your business and still build the church. You can build your family and still build the church. You can build the church and still build your family. They're not an enemy. The only time they become enemy is religious thinking. And I really pray that we'll build the kind of community where it's not an enemy to your family. And it's not going to work against you. It's actually going to work for you and your family. So I really want you to understand that like, if, if, if you're building a business, you say, I've got no time for the church, that will catch up with you eventually. Make time for the Lord's table as often as you can. If that's weekly, do it. If it's now and again or whenever you can, then do it. But do it from a conviction of value, not a conviction of convenience. And, and, and I just think we've got to work this one out. And this is where I'm do, what I'm doing today is trying to help you with a mentality. And it will save, save me doing hours and hours of counseling, <laughs> helping people who have built compartmentalized. I can do it this way as opposed to having to spend hours and hours in counseling. It's just a mentality. So number two, the church is Christ's body. Question, am I willing to play my part in God's house? Am I willing to play my part in God's house? Ephesians chapter 4. Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So again, when you accept your part in the body of Christ, the local church, you're actually contributing to the health, the vibrancy, and the strength of who we are. Now, I'm not asking everyone to be on the welcome home team. That's not what we need. When we're cooking dinner for people coming over, we don't need everyone in the kitchen. We just need a few. Get the cooks cooking, get the singers singing. Nothing worse when the singer wants to cook and the cook wants to sing. Get the leaders leading, get the drivers driving, get everyone in a good attitude in their strength. 
But you see, would you accept that it's God's idea, the church, and that you're going to play your part in the body? See, the goal there is not about serving on a team. It's about serving wherever you go. You've got to connect the dots and realize that I'm a part of something bigger than me. Coming a little bit early just to maybe say hello to new people. It's amazing how you can find a way to be a part of something if you share the values of, I see the house of God is important. And I really believe that's something we can wrestle with in a good way. Am I willing to play my part in God's house? Have you accepted your part in God's house? It's amazing when you accept your part, everything else begins to work. Number three, the church is God's priority. The church is God's priority. Is Jesus' priority? Question number three, am I willing to make God's house a priority? What a great question. Is that the kind of question you would ask? How many people have ever used the priority lane at an airport? Oh, not many. Those who have put their hand up, how good is it to use the priority lane at an airport? (laughs) Trying to go somewhere with this question. It's just, you know, long lines, priority lane. No response, okay. The church is Jesus's priority. So once you know it's his priority, the question, am I willing to make God's house a priority? Really good question, and you think it would be easy, but it's not easy. You think it'd be a natural for followers of Jesus to be just like, it's a priority, don't need to talk about it, but it's not true. Why is it not true? Because the truth is, we are struggling to be transformative in our society. The social fabric of our society is diminishing at an alarming rate, it's not sustainable. But the church has forgotten its purpose, which means its value has gone down. And it says this in Matthew, if you lose your saltiness, you lose your usefulness. And if the church stopped being salty, then what purpose have we got on planet Earth? And if you read the original translations, it goes, the church loses its saltiness. It loses its relevance. It loses it to the point where society is genocidal where genocide is the fruit of a failed church. So you've got to understand, this is heavy-hitting stuff. But let me ask you the question again. Am I willing to make God's house a priority? It's not that deep a question, unless you've got a lot of other priorities. When I went out with Joyce, I asked her out, first date. My wife, Joyce, just to clarify. Um... I've been going to church for six months. I noticed her. I thought she was pretty. I was like, she's nice. And I watched her interact with people, and she's super kind, and she's never changed, and she's amazing. And I'm like, oh. So we went out on a date. I found out on that date that she had two other dates lined up before me. I was number three. Yeah, Pastor Joyce, can you believe it? She would be like that. I mean, she had options. A policeman who was a rugby player, a doctor, who was an athlete, and Mark the Spark. Because I was 
had electrical, I did electrical engineering, but I had my own electrical business, so mark the spark. Number three. Well, we all know the ending of the story. She had her priorities worked out. But what I want you to know, and I'm trying my best here with you, and I know it's a lot to take on board, but I'm asking you, am I willing, am I willing to make God's house a priority? I'm not asking you to go, oh, I've got to come every week. It's, it's not the question. It's not even the question. If it's a priority, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll do everything you can to be here. If you're in Berlin and you're not working, then why wouldn't you not be here? There's plenty of people who are not here because they're working or life's taken them in a different, you know, and they've got commitments and they've got things and maybe it's family or an anti-celebration. There could be a lot of reasons and you don't have to justify why you're not here. You, you're not, your commitment's not seen by a bomb on sea. It's commitment seen in different ways. But don't play the games, well, I've got to be there every week. It's not about every week. It's about who you belong to. It's about Jesus. It's about His priorities. It's about the values. Do you share what He loves? Do you love what He loves? Is it important to you, God? Now it's important to me. It's, that's where the harmony comes from. That's where the magic happens, if I can get condemned on that. Yes, that's where the oil flows. That's where it's like, wow. And if it's no wow, it's because it's clunky. Being out of alignment is such a mess. But when you're in alignment, oh, it's such a harmony. Like figure skating, you know, you go up in the air and they've moved on. But when they... I'm just asking, would you be willing to make the house of God a priority? Number four, the church is big and small at the same time. So the question number four is, am I willing to help the church grow big and stay small at the same time? This is an interesting one, but let's look at the start of the church. 3,000 got saved. A few chapters later, 5,000 got saved. According to this, that's 8,000 people. We can't get only 400 in this room. 8,000, what did they do? Church was getting bigger. One of my favourite books is How Did Anyone Become a Follower of Jesus in the First Three Centuries? It's a profound book because it's like your life was going to get taken out. Why would anyone follow Jesus? And yet, but when it got to the third century, it was exponential. And what I'm trying to say to you is it's either real or it's not. And today's culture you can fake it till you make it. You can do all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, how do we know it's real? Show me your values. Show me your priority. Show me what's important to you. Show me who's the king of your life. Amen. Who do you belong to? Show it in your values. So the question I'm asking is, am I willing to help grow the church big and small? And let me say this. It's not about just staying small. So all our needs are met, it's about being outward focus. It's getting a bigger table. There's another chair. There's a room for another one. There's a room for another one. Oh, my friend came over. 
put a, put a plate down, get some more. We just had a curry for all our neighbours, 35 people in our garden, in our little ground floor apartment, and we fed them and there was more food and there was more food. We ran out of rice, cooked some more food. And it's amazing how if you want to, you can, but we're never going to be a church just for me, myself and I. We will always be outward focused in Jesus' name because there's a value for humanity. So I'm, I'm running out of time here and I've probably lost time. And I'm just saying, are you willing to ask the questions? Seven questions to ask yourself. I, 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 I've had this challenge living here in Berlin. When we got to 10 years as a church, we're now 14, but 10 years, we were around 12 to 1300 people on a regular Sunday. We had a 10th anniversary celebration, 1700 people turned up. There's never been a church in this city, ever in the history of this city, bigger than a thousand. And don't tell me the Berlin Dome, because I know the pastor, she says 60 to 80% of her congregation is tourists. There's never been a redemptive church in this city. Well, I don't want to go there because you don't speak German. Well, I'm sorry. There's plenty of people who do speak German. Don't, don't make it about you. Make it about Jesus. Make it about... God is bringing people from all corners of the earth. We're not going out on mission, we're on mission. Listen to me, listen to me. I may not finish this message and I'm totally cool with it, okay? But listen to me, 50,000 people ran the Berlin Marathon just last week. That was way more than people go to church on a Sunday in any given Sunday in this city. Go ahead, prove me wrong. I'd love to see how you can correct me. Because if I am wrong, fantastic. Then there's more people going to the house of God. I don't mind. I'll suck it up. Humility. But I'm just saying the truth is it's not a church city for you who've come here from a church background. It's a mission field. The enemy has dominated for too long. And the announcement is now Jesus is saying, I want it back. Taking the ground back, new ground in Jesus' name because He's got a history-making generation that's coming out of this house. Problem solvers, people who know how to bring heaven to earth. And you can't do that with a convenience preference, me, myself, and I can, I can, I'm getting nothing out of the service today. People, we're just losing our plot. The amazing athlete woman who broke a record, two hours and 12, wasn't even mentioned in the, <laughs> in the announcement. It was just the man. Not, and I was loving it. Everyone was like, hey, why didn't you mention this? It's just part of our culture. It's just like we're so lost. And she ran. But let me tell you about this woman who ran two hours and 12 minutes. She ran 20 kilometers at a rate. If you go on a treadmill and speed up to 18 to 20 on your treadmill, keep that up for 20 kilometers. That's the intensity she had to break records. Unusual. We celebrate it. Amazing. Wow. Wow. But when a church starts breaking records, suspicion must be something wrong. I knew that that charismatic skinny dream pastor was doing something. No, I'm trying to talk to you in a way that maybe you can at least pay attention. I got my notes, I got my Bible references, but I'm telling you, unless we change our outlook on the house of God and unify on some common values that take us to the future, we're just wasting time. 
It'll just be activity and no progress. So we celebrate the amazing running athletic ability, but it's time for the church to break some records. It's time for the church to get back some new ground. There's never been a church in this city since its foundation and conception ever. There's been over a thousand. There's been several get there, but then they divide, they split, they fracture, and they're never the same they were in the beginning. Some of you in the room know this. So the enemy doesn't want a unified church. We've got to understand why am I here and I'm, am I willing to ask these questions? Am I willing to make it bigger and smaller at the same time? You're never going to know anyone and you're not supposed to, but get to know someone and don't make it just your tribe. I'll just have a group who are just like me. That's not going to help us build the church that Jesus wants to build. But we've got to get smaller as we get bigger, I guarantee. And then people say, oh, there's... Big churches are not friendly. Really? Go to some small ones. I'll give you the list. You think it's the size of the church that determines the friendliness? It's got nothing to do with the size. It's the spirit of the people. Are you friendly? <laughs> are you friendly? I'm so off my notes right now. <laughs> values, values, values. We have them. We want to share them. You're invited to join them. I know you didn't make them, but maybe we could make some values for the future. It's an invitation. It's open. But what kind of values do we want to harmonize around, unify around? Where do we want to go in the future? And what values are going to help us with that God-given purpose? Amen. You believe that?